One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, welcome to the 274th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, screenwriting, and directing. This episode is brought to you by patrons Tyler H. Eaton and Dave Fairman. I'm Matt Enlow. And I'm Warren Kaplan. And today on the pod, we have Matt Enlow and Warren Kaplan. Ooh, uh, two of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, we got them last minute. They agreed to do it, uh, which is a real pleasure. But in all seriousness, we are just going to talk about what is going on, what we've been thinking about at a few different topics, each one kind of connected to a different thing I'm working on. And I said to Matt, hey, can we talk about these topics? And he was like, well, uh, if you don't have anything good, then I guess so. So here we are. Thanks, well, Matt. <laughs> uh, fire away, Kaplan. <laughs> Thanks. So I guess just to give, because we are recording the intro straight into our interview mm-hmm. with ourselves, mm-hmm. our discussion, just to give a little high level view of what I wanted to talk about. One is about, I really hate these like kind of bloated <laughs> metaphors for directing, but a, kind of about like your need to be the captain of the ship on a set. Um, or on a project the role of leadership and and how yeah a set is a unique circumstance yeah and i sure. guess it's kind of yeah. a spoiler to the lesson i learned in this project i'm working on but but you'll see how it comes around it's the headline yeah, yeah. the second thing i wanted to talk about uh, related to another project is about hiring celebrities to be in commercials we talk a lot about attaching names to your short film to your feature to your tv show to your pilot and how that all works in like the business of like pitching things and selling things and and trying to package a project together. But we never really talk about just like, hey, I'm going to just give this person money to be in my commercial. Chunk of change. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously there's it's one thing giving Brad Pitt, you know, like $10 million to be in like your Rolex commercial that airs only in Japan. But it's there's a lot of people between Brad Pitt and the person that you cast off LA casting that's never acted in anything before. And so I think, I think there's kind of an interesting middle area of actors and fame and things that I, I thought might be interesting to talk about because I'm was kind of involved in like some negotiations recently about that. And then the last thing I wanted to talk about is about making stuff solo. You know, it's really easy. And on the podcast, we talk about it all the time and I'm probably the biggest perpetrator of this but of saying hey i really want to do these things but i need this thing to line up and this thing to line up and this thing to line up and this money and this piece of equipment and this actor and this location and i wanted to talk about three recent stories that most of our listeners probably will know about already but just three three people that did it all by themselves at home and kind of three little success stories that hopefully will be inspiring to us and hopefully even me to to try to keep making stuff on my own to to just shoot it to just shoot it 
So I'd like to talk about those things. Those are kind of three topics I have a lot of thoughts on. I also have a shoot tomorrow, and it's going to be my first shoot since the mask mandate has been lifted in California. And I'm pretty sure most of the cast and crew is fully vaccinated. And if not, they're at least COVID tested. And I was very excited to have my first maskless shoot tomorrow so that the actors and I can see each other's faces. But I just got my call sheet and it looks like we are wearing masks. A a little too soon. Just a touch too soon. I, if it was maybe, well, we'll see. I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how the public opinion on masks kind of ebbs and flows over the next few weeks. Yeah. it's it's. I think it's a very like LA, California thing that we are phasing out very Yeah, slowly. very cautious. Uh, yeah, a funny thing, actually. I got a text from a friend who was like, yo, did you see that Seth Goldsmith is in the New York Times? Seth Goldsmith podcast guest number two he's the writer of night owls along with charles hood who sings unpaid endorsements is like in the photo of on like in the new york times of like los angeles is open dudes are at bars (laughs) and it's a picture of like him and some pals like playing pinball at their like local pinball bar (laughs) waltz bar shout out I mean, it's so if COVID funny. is over, you don't go play pinball. You go arm oh, wrestling. Oh, that is the first thing he wanted to do. You do have to touch a lot of stuff. It's all indoors. You yeah, I guess there are shared Playing buttons. outdoors. Pinball outdoors is not as good. Lights and all that stuff. So anyway. I do lick the pinball mm-hmm. machine for good mm-hmm. luck sometimes. They drink a lot of beer. Um, no. It's his spot. <laughs> yeah. But he loves it. That's yeah. funny. So uh, shout but, out to um, Yeah. And I'm just mentioning the COVID thing because we thought it might be nice as a time capsule if we ever listen to this episode to, uh, to lodge us in a specific time in the world but anyway before we talk about my stuff i want to know what have you been working on lately yeah man i am um finishing up the movie so uh regular listeners will know i produced a movie that my wife wrote and directed at the beginning of 2020 right before lockdown we blocked out and uh sneaked into getting it all done and in the can before that and we've been in post this whole time and so now we finally have a handful of deadlines that we have to meet which means that uh, along with those deadlines, we have like all of the deliverable specs, you know, like this is what we needed to get for X, Y, and Z, which we were kind of waiting on because you don't want to export things in the wrong way or whatever. You need a 5.1 mix if you need a stereo mix, text list, all that stuff. And so I'm really in the weeds as a producer on the dotting I's and crossing T's of it all. So it's very intense, actually. And what's funny, people talk about it every time they you know, they make their first feature, but like the scope and size of a feature is just so much bigger that everything that you take for granted all of a sudden just gets slowed down and more complicated. So like, for instance, our, our master file is 500 gigabytes, right? So sure. We've got plenty of like hard drives that are that big, no problem, but delivering it means you have to upload a 500 gigabyte file. So what, Normally, if you're going to send, you know, a film to a film festival or something like that, you know, you probably upload it once to Dropbox or maybe you use a Spera for a custom server or whatever. But like, you know, it's it's not a huge endeavor to get something uploaded, for instance. So uh, just the funny little things like that, even exporting, you know, takes like much longer. Everything is in slow motion. And so that's kind of what we've been dealing with. And I'm also kind of doing all the things of getting, you know, finalizing E&O insurance, title clearances, all of the really 
you know, detail oriented stuff basically. So that's, that's where my head's been at. Yeah. And on a 500 gig file, if you make a typo on something and you want to edit it, it takes you, you know, like hours to re export it. And then you find like another typo, of course. That's why they call it right. Opening up the movie. Sometimes it's literally just not worth editing some part of your movie because you might accidentally mess up something else. Well, and also, you know, we're marrying our, sound mix and you know to picture we just finished all of our final color all of our final vfx all of that stuff and so you know you start qcing it on a couple different systems and it's like oh boy we wanted that music hit to like come in a little hotter right like louder you mean Do, louder yeah yeah just as an example of like that's something that like it isn't incorrect it's not going to fail qc but it's not creatively exactly how we wanted it for instance you know or maybe you just need to turn your volume up a little bit it's hard to say you know i did that show miss 2059 remember it was like the sci-fi web show or mobile show i don't know it was for go 90 and um we mixed on a mix stage Mm -hmm. like a really nice mix stage 5.1 like amazing speakers and then that night we sent our mix that we were so proud of to like the producers or to someone to review and they're like yeah it sounds good and then i listened to it on like my iPad and it sounded like garbage. You couldn't hear 90% of the stuff that we were excited about. And so we changed our, you know, protocol. I said, look, this sounds so good, but nobody is ever, ever, ever going to listen to it like this. It's not like a theater mix where at least people in the theater get to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Theaters are at least somewhat standardized. You know, it's a five one system for instance. So we brought a TV in like a Samsung TV and we would, once we liked a scene, we would play it all through the Samsung TV speakers, like the built-in speakers in the yeah, TV. Yeah. Or even like, I, I like to listen to it on like AirPods or something like that. Stuff that's like wireless, maybe has a little bit of compression on things, you know, like those sound pretty good, but they're always doing something a little weird, you know? Yeah. So it sucks, man. Making a movie... I don't know. For me, it's like I just watch every movie I've done and I'm like, oh, I would cut this a little sooner. I do this a little faster. I do that. Like, I just hate every single cut. So it's like, you know, it, it whatever. We've said this a million times. It's not, you know, making a movie isn't about finishing the film. It's about abandoning the film. <laughs> and it's yeah. at some point you're just like, okay, it's just going to have to be Well, good it, it is also. A, and it usually is. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. It. it it's a unique experience to be the producer on it because, you know, my perspective is different. I wasn't the, like my wife is in every single session and really like digging in and like boosting this, tweaking that, you know, like she's the sort of person as soon as like, you know, you learn like one tiny, like a new technique or like someone pitches something, then you're just, it's a can of, it's Pandora's box and all of a sudden like, you're using that, you're denoising something or you're panning something to the right or whatever like little little trick, you know, she shoves up her sleeve, all of a sudden she's doing that for everything. And so, you know, as a person who's devoted to the movie and like very committed, but also wasn't there to see how things are supposed to be, you know, QCing or just, just checking a, a, a take or a cut or whatever with her is a very different emotional experience because she cares so much and I care as much, but also don't know what to look for, which is normally roles are reversed, right? Normally the client's like, 
it's fine. And you're like, no, it's not. The blacks are far too blue. Like we got to fix this, you know, or what, whatever weird detail it is that's not blue enough. or not blue enough. There you go. Um, you know, but, but you know, the details, you kind of just get, um, immersed in them. And they're, those are the details that make the whole experience so rich that you become enveloped in things, you know? I always joke, you, you never walk out of a movie and say, wow, boy, that was incredible. I bet they, I bet they made their day every sing, single shoot day. Like, I bet their rap was super smooth. You Like, you know, you say, oh, that movie was incredible. Remember this part? Remember that part? And all of that stuff has to do with these teeny tiny details as well as the big picture. So that's, that's where my world is, man. Yeah, it's a lot of, lot of late nights and a lot of, I think I've watched the movie 30 times this week. Yeah, it's a lot of times. Yeah. That's slight, sixty slight exaggeration, but movie. but yeah, it's a lot. Well, Oren, I can't wait to dive into all of the lessons that you have uh, want to impart on our listeners. Yeah, hey, patreoncom pod. You know, it's a place you can throw us a dollar or two a month, maybe ten dollars if you want to get a just shoot it podcast hat. That's all I got to say. Do it. Don't do it. We don't need you. Okay. We don't need you to do it, though we might be changing podcast hosts soon, which uh, we're going to spend a lot I, more I money think we on. I so. officially did, I did today, actually. Oh. So, you know, feel free to go to, <laughs> to the Patreon it's help us out. a little more expensive now, guys, but I think, uh, genuinely, I think the experience will be more streamlined and better for everyone, because uh, I hate it when I hear a podcast that's, like, got the same ad back-to-back, or, like, the ad starts in a stupid place, like, mid-sentence or something like that, and, uh, you know... I don't think that's going to be a problem for much longer. We've had some issues with our ads, but they're going to get so much better. Ooh, so buttery. It's like the best ads. The, uh, you know, Got Milks, mm. the Geico's, mm-hmm. the Squatty Potties, all our favorite ads you're going to be hearing on our podcast soon enough. It's a lot of dairy um, in those references. <laughs> yeah, especially the Squatty Potty. Anyway, okay, back to us. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So I got this job. So I, I, I had this job. I might have talked about it. I had a couple big jobs lined up, lined up for this month. I was stoked because for me, as a commercial director... Personally, I think that your mileage may vary based on the commercials you direct and who you are, how much money you need to live. But two big commercials a month is like the sweet, sweet spot. spot, like the Ooh, dream. Man. Two, two yeah. big commercials a month, great. One big, one big commercial a month, great yeah. Also, yeah, me two medium sized. Yeah. So I'm not talking about like, like when I went to Disney World, that was like I was there for two weeks. That that you know, it's hard to do two of those in a month when you're all over the place and in post and everything. But but two kind of one or two days. I know this isn't month. what you're talking about, but I think there's two good reasons why that's that's true. One, the financial, right? Like the payday, if you're doing two spots a month and you're like cash-wise you're you're pretty solid, you know, whatever uh, depending on how big your nut is. But I think the thing that maybe is I don't want to say more important, but just as important is the mental gain of just feeling productive and on it. And like you're working and like there's going to be more work. Yeah. And also the amount of stuff you're producing. So like I actually just had this uh, this guy that, you know, sometimes submits me for jobs and tries to pitch me, email me yesterday. And and last time we emailed, like last time he saw my work and downloaded it or whatever, it was probably like six months ago. And he emailed me. He's like, hey, do you have any new work to show? I, I want to pitch you for something. So if in six months you have like one commercial to show and it's not that great, then you know, it's a bummer. But if you're doing two a month and to pay well, you know, or a little more or a little less, but they're different sizes, you're also, you have stuff, new work to show people. And it's like an excuse to talk to people and people get excited. They might've pitched you like 10 times before, but now you have, now you've got three the, new the spots. spot that they needed to, yeah. to take you over the top. Yeah. The saying that work begets work it truly is, you know, the lifeblood of our business. And so like when you're in a dry slump, that's especially depressing, right? Because you know that you have all this time to be making cool things and, you know, wouldn't it be nice to just have a better spot for when the the opportunity does arise? But that that's beside the point, Orin. So you were saying right. there's... So I had two, two, two pretty good ones. Needless to say, both jobs kind of didn't work out. One, who knows? But the, the first big one didn't work out. And so the... Uh, person who was trying to get me that job felt really bad and this is another great way to get work by the way is make people feel bad and he called me and he said hey Oren I have this other job you know I think it'll pay decent and it's super easy and I feel bad about this other job falling through like do you want to take this job there's like literally like you almost don't need a director for it this is the scenario with this company that makes an app made this commercial for the app there's like a montage of all these different people talking about the app and they just want to try a different cast member, like a different gender of a 
They just want to uh, swap one, one thing out, people. one aspect of an otherwise yeah. complete and premium spot. Yeah. So all they need to reshoot is a close up on this new person and the two shot of the people. And and by the way, here's the edit. Here's literally yeah. you have to fill in this shot and this shot and this shot. Here's three three slots of shots you need to fill in. Like so easy. You almost don't need a director, right? And we got the exact same camera, the exact same lenses, and we were going to copy their set exactly from how it looks on camera the exact same colors exactly the same everything just the two walls like that we the needed reason we they, didn't need to they build hired a, a director is because someone has to just to some, organize someone it. has to answer the questions like someone has to know yeah. what's up basically and like the creative director or the copywriter or whomever didn't want that job right and they even already cast the person that they wanted as a replacement so yeah literally as me for a job I'm like okay get paid to just go like sure. hang out at monitor, schmooze with some new agency client folks, and just copy shots. Easy like, to underestimate. Yeah. So, needless to say, <laughs> we mentioned scope creep before we started recording, but this is like the ultimate example of scope creep. But scope creep is when someone's like, "Hey, can you just like tweak this one thing?" And as you tweak it, it breaks something else. Like, oh, well, you might as well the fix that thing. The scope of the project creeps larger and yeah, larger the larger it scales larger. up basically yeah. yeah yeah right it's like if someone's like hey can you just record yourself saying singing happy birthday to my dad and then you do it and they're like oh there's a weird light behind you can you like relight it oh can you have your friend be in it too it's like that's like or, the scope or is oh we have this commercial we need two shots for it <laughs> right so we start planning it then i get an email they're like oh you know there's another person in this commercial we don't really like we would also love to replace him uh, and he's a man that happens to be in a car. I'm like, okay, well, it, it's a little extra because we had to film in a car, but whatever, we can do it. Not a big deal. So then the next email I get is like, oh, they don't want the actor to be in a car anymore. They're like, they, they just don't like the relationship. It sets up with a driver and he likes our product and he he's like chauffeured by someone. Mm, like Power that. dynamics. Stuff, I, sure. I don't know if that's a good look. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So let's come up with other ideas. So I go, I... I and they say, by the way, we don't even need a stage or anything. We have this big empty space next to our office. You can just have it for free. You can just shoot it. So we go to that office and I'm like, well, let's just find something around the office where we can shoot this other person doing something. And I'm like, what What should he be doing? And they're like, it can be anything. Well, so this building that we're shooting in is actually under construction. What if we make them a construction person? And they're like, well, is that like a little... Because by the way, their market also is kind of like very kind of middle america like this is a product that literally everyone can use it, everyone can use but their main clients are like in kind of the south and midwest and kind of mid middle of america pretty much and they just want someone that like seems relatable like they don't want you know the janitor either. they want someone that's like doing well but doing some job that like everyone can relate to or whatever so maybe not a construction worker but like a foreman you know or like an architect or someone so Whatever. Finally, we agree on that. I take a bunch of photos of like, this is what it's going to look like with stand-ins and stuff. And then they approve it. And then uh, we start, you know, we now we have to cast this person in literally like 24 hours. So, I didn't so, mention that but I what you're a, saying is basically it started as two shots. Two shots. And now it sounds <laughs> yeah. like you're pitching new creative, you're casting new people, you're building out a new set. Yeah. Well, so wardrobe, yeah. And so, for, right, as of now, we just have to build these two walls. But then <laughs> Friday night, it's last Friday night, we're shooting tomorrow, I get another email, email that's like, hey, you know what? We actually don't really like, we don't love the set from this 
the scene, you know, where you're only shooting two shots. The scene, like, that, the set that you were about to recreate. Yeah. We kind of maybe want to get this other shot too. And we have some other dialogue we want to try with the other person that's already been shot. Like, can we just build like all three walls of the set? I'm like, okay, yeah. And then they're like, let's have a conference call. So on Saturday, we have this conference call. Like, yeah, like, what can we do to make this set just like feel bigger and broader and like more real? And it's like, and literally I've been designed, like copying, like, okay, this is the color they used for that wall. This is the color they used for that stripe. Like, anyway, now they want to do a whole other spot just from this new set we're building. Oh, <laughs> um, you're doing a new spot? Well, we're, we're doing the pieces that we need for the main spot. And then we're doing kind of this like side spot. I mean, that's kind of nice. Now you have something that maybe could go on your reel. Yeah, I have thought of that. This side spot is more like a B to like more for businesses than for consumers. So I think it'll not be as like flashy as like the main spot, this hero spot, which by the way, the, the, the spot is like really well done. So the, the other people that worked on it did a great job and stuff. It's literally, there's like 30 different people in it and they just want originally just wanted to replace one. But now this pro- kind of prospect of a reshoot has just made them all think about things. And then on the scout too, I said, you know, just so you know, we're because we're matching your shots and they're all static shots, we're not getting anything. Like, is it cool? Should we get a slider? Should we do a little movement? And someone on the creative team's like, no, nah, they, they don't like the higher ups don't really want movement. They just want it to be really clean and clear. Anyway, today at the pre-build, I go to the set to check it out. And now one of the higher ups is like, okay, so uh, what do we have for tomorrow? Steadicam, <laughs> Dolly? <laughs> Uh, and I'm like, uh, well, well, no, like we were matching the other shots, you know, that you like hired us and they're like, okay, well, how are you going to light it? Because, you know, we kind of think like the other lightings were like, wasn't amazing. Like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, you know, we're going to backlight here and we're going to do this and we're going to. Right. And uh, so, so basically you were intending to just match things and therefore that was the creative decision for everything. And now that they're all rethinking things or seeing new opportunities or however you want to describe it. They're looking to you to say, well, what, what's your spin on these? Yeah. Like what's your solution for adding more depth here and for making this better and for making this performance more interesting for making the lighting better and for, and uh, And and you're kind of like, well, 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 this wasn't my job. This is what I, you know, I I was just going to match the shots. Yeah. And I, a couple of times I said, well, look, you know, we started out really like all of our force and momentum was copying the stuff so it matches with these existing shots so i let's talk and let's pitch some ideas and you know do things but like just so you know it's not like i've done a treatment it's not like i've had it's not like i this is budgeted out or that i know that we can add another room back there another thing but now our set has one two three four five six seven eight walls it's got two different rooms it's got all this stuff going on all this foreground and it's just so much bigger and now they're they keep you know, I, I'm going to use the word challenging, which is maybe not the right word, but they keep telling like, oh, well, have you thought of this now? There's the construction worker. Is he just standing there? Like, that seems kind of boring. I'm like, well, like I'm matching all these other things where people are kind of just standing there, but I guess we can have them walk. They're like, oh, yeah, maybe with the camera, you can move them with the camera. I'm like, well, we don't actually have anything to move the camera with, but like I can try to get a slider. And the producer's like, dude, we're like so far over budget. Like, how why are you adding these things? So anyhow... All of this to say, oh, the, the last kind of funny thing that happened today is another higher up on the creative team from the client today said like, you know, I don't know if a construction worker is like the right way to go. <laughs> That's great. I love that. So so here's the thing. And, and this is the thing that I feel like anyone who's kind of at our level or where, started where we did, which is to say in digital and branded can relate. 
no matter how many times you explain that like the budget is low or that this is run and gun or that, you know, whatever, as soon as a client is involved, their expectations are the same. They don't, they don't have, they don't recalibrate a lo- for a lower bu- budget or a higher budget. They are there to make the spot as best as they possibly can. And so they don't know or care about whether or not you're over budget if you get a steady cam person or not, or whether this is super simple or whether this is for digital only or whatever, right? Like they're just there. They only have one speed and it's 10, right? right? And they don't realize that if they want us, if they are throwing out this idea of a steady cam, they're so higher up. I mean, this is like, it's you know, not their problem. It's, it's like hierarchy, corporate yeah. hierarchy issues. Like if the CEO, if Tim Cook's like, oh, it'd be nice to have a steady cam. Let me ask you, because I, I feel like I've been in that circumstance and you're in a really funny position where you want to say yes. You know, like the things, he's pitching you the steady cam. You wanted a steady cam, right? Right. But yeah. you, you also know that the line producer is tearing their hair out backstage. So in that Situation. And no one on the crew is ready for this. And we we have all this other stuff yeah. to get that I know does not need a steady cam. I guess what I'm saying is that you know that money would solve this problem. If you had an extra $100,000, you could find somebody to like pull, yeah, but pull Matt, things there's together. No, there's no steady cam shot in the shot list. Like Right, right, right. But like what There's I'm no idea what, of what to use the steady cam for. It's literally just asking. Do you have a steady cam? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that like... Like if you had a shot a scene of two people sitting at a table talking to each other and then someone's like, oh, did you get steady cam? Um, you know, like... Yeah, I'd be like, well... I, in the back of my head, I'd be like, well, I did kind of want this to wrap around a little bit. That could be pretty cool. But then I'm thinking of like my producers who were like, oh, we're already over. Why are you pitching crazy ideas? And I guess like if there isn't an agency producer there to kind of rein things in, it's really tricky because you don't want to be like, well, well, no, we can't afford that because that's kind of not your job. Like it, right. you're in between but, a rock and a hard place with that. But wait, in this, in this example where you have to shoot these two people at a table talking to each other, the, these shots also have to cut into a matching scene of two people at a table talking to each other shot on sticks. So yeah, yeah anyway, yeah, so he brought this. Uh, and, and again, I like liked his ideas i i like you said i was excited about like moving the camera um and he mentioned like you know just maybe come up with something else than than the construction worker and i was like yeah you know i mean we could go outside there's this eating area we can maybe shoot it and i was showing him some other things so we had this meeting and everything and i was like just a tiny bit flustered because i felt again like i was really trying to copy something and now in the 11th hour, they're like, just do whatever you want, you know, just be creative. And I feel like as a director, I'm going to be judged on whether these people will ever want to hire me again based on how creative I am all of a sudden. But I'm, I've already like had 10 conversations with the production designer saying like, no, you chose the wrong color for the wall. It needs to match this one that we had right. before, you know. And they pitched you six great colors. Yeah. And already yeah. the the wardrobe person yeah. is like run, running to 50 stores to get the same shirt that they this person wore in the last time. So it matches. Um, anyhow, the producer pulls me aside after all the client agency people leave. And by the way, this is like a client agency in one. The agency people are part of the client. And he says, Oren, and he, he's really great. This is my first time working with him. But he's, he's really, really a good producer. And he's also a director, which is always like a, a pro and a con. Um, and he says... Uh, Warren, just, you know, when, when they like are offering up like different versions and different ideas and different things, like 
what we need you to do right now is instead of of pitching on them and riffing on them and like trying to figure out all these other things you can do i i just need you to say like those are great ideas like this is we're going to do the construction worker and it's going to be really awesome mm-hmm. it's going to look so good it's going to be reassuring put in here we'll do some options Easy we'll reframe it a little bit yeah, yeah, this yeah. is really great you're going to love it and he was like if you just like come back at them confidently with like what we are actually set up to do then they're going to love it you know but you were kind of riffing on them on other things we can with them on other things we can do that we all know we actually can't do. And it's like, obvious, obviously, we know that. You and I know that. Like, you're in a pre-production meeting and someone's like, I hate that blue. And you're like, yeah, you know, we have other options for that. It's going to be great, though. And, like, I think the pink really matches that. Like, Mike said that yesterday, right? Whatever. There's, like, a confidence that you need to do as a director, even if literally you were hired to copy a shot. And now they're saying to give them anything but that shot if you want to succeed and you want people to trust you and walk away and be like ah we got this we don't even need to be on set because Oren has this taken care of you need to be like the captain of the ship even if it's not your ship even if you are shooting two shots that are replacing other shots in somebody else's spot um it was just a a reminder to me as a director that no matter what i'm working on no matter how strongly I feel about things like people are looking to me to say, okay, this is it. This is what we're going to do. And this, and it's going to be good. Like, just trust me on this. And we don't need to now pitch 40 different ideas because we had one question about this thing. You know, it's tricky because you do want to be collaborative, but I I agree a hundred percent. I think also there's a, this isn't a hundred percent true, but I remember on my early jobs realizing that like the public opinion, the attitude about the spot and what and its quality is made up well before you're wrapped. It's often like, you know, halfway through that first day, even if it's a two or three day shoot, you know, like is is this going well? Are we having fun? Do we have confidence in things? Is this a good time? Is this a smooth time? Are things buttoned up? Is there a good plan? Those are all the things that they that the people on set are relaying to the people who are offset. So that opinion, you know, that taste level, I think determines whether or not they think that the spot is quote unquote good or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that and that goes back to your point of confidence, right? Yeah, and obviously, on it's really hard when you're doing directing something for someone else that you didn't write and that you are just one cog in the system. Um, but when you are directing your own thing that you did write, or when you're doing a movie or anything, I think it's just it, it's just so important to remind yourself. And this is I had a boss when I worked at Disney. I was you know on staff director there. And sometimes I would just like be complaining. I'd be like, this set doesn't work or this doesn't, how are we going to shoot all this stuff in this time? Or like, we'd have our actors were like blowing up, you know, like Alison Brie was on my show. These people, they were like getting so big while we were making this show that they'd be like, ah, is it okay if I take off this time or if I leave at lunch? And like, I was like, I can't shoot this show without actors. They're like literally just like leaving in the middle of the day for bigger things. And my boss came to me and he's like, can I have a word with you? I was like, sure. And he goes, Oren, you are like a, an important part of this whole process of like the company, this, these, this show we're making, you're the director, like people look to you. If you are confident and you feel like things are going well and they, they're like, Oren seems happy and things are, are good, then they will be happy and they'll work hard. And, but if you're complaining about everything, people will be like, Oh, this is a shit show, you know? And so it's just, 
I cannot be reminded enough as like the director, no matter what you're directing, if it's literally directing a photograph of your family at your grandma's birthday party, like if you are telling people, this is awesome, this is good, let's do it like this. Oh, it'll, it's a little better if we do this. Or, oh, let's move the light over here. Oh, that's way better. Um, even if you're not that type of person, that's not like, oh, I love everything. Um, it's important if you want to lead people in any way is to just to show them that you're excited about what you're doing and and, and that, confident yeah. that's in your own style and voice you know yeah. like you don't have to imitate like oh i love it this is incredible i'm a genius you know like it's not like you make love to the camera like you don't have to do that right have but you ever met whatever. a person that is like that um you know some fashion directors are mm-hmm. they're not make love to the camera they wouldn't say that but they are the updated version of that. And I am so fascinated by them because I do wish I had a little bit more of that flavor in me. I'm confident. Mm-hmm. I know when things are good. I, I remind myself to, to show people that I'm having a good time sometimes because I don't, you know, I'm not a loud laugher. I don't smile a ton, you know, like I really like work on eye contact. Never snort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, I'm a that's funny guy. So um, so it's worth it to me. I'm I'm conscious of like showing people my gratitude and enthusiasm. So when there's just someone who's just like effusive and in your face and has a huge personality, and you know, I'm always fascinated by that sort of person. Yeah, when yeah. I was starting out, I worked with a lot of like fashion photographers like i would do like a lot of video bts for like fashion shoots you know vogue fashion whatever cover shoot and i'm shooting behind the scenes or whatever and some of those photographers men and women were so freaking like the make love to the camera they were so good at it and in a totally not creepy way like you could see like yeah yeah i don't mean to be paint too much of a picture but like a 50 year old male photographer like talking to like a 17 year old model and just in, in the make love to the camera way, but in a way that like they're both so much working on like the art of the photograph or even, you know, the fashion or whatever that somehow it's not creepy. But I'm like, I could never in a b- billion years do this because I would just feel so self-conscious, like telling, you know, models what to do and stuff. I don't know. Anyhow. OK, that was the first topic. <laughs> Second topic will be really fast, though. So there was this other job I had mentioned that I was up for where we were casting a celebrity type of person that most people would recognize to be in a commercial. And most people know this specific actor from a TV show. And she has like a very specific personality and personality traits. And, you know, there, there is this desire to cast her as this this character from that show so someone kind of at that level of that recognition to be in a commercial and the pitch to her was like a certain amount of money which is you know i think enough to get her to listen to the offer but the pitch itself had a lot to do with her kind of playing different notes of this character that she's famous for and from my experience with a lot of various kind of actors that i've worked with that have been these no notable characters from tv shows and whatnot is that they really don't want to play the same character that they've already played um for for two reasons like you want them to say the the catchphrase you (laughs) know but they're like no i'm not gonna say the catchphrase 
Yeah. But yeah, so I think like when you cast someone from a TV show, you like they want to know that you're casting them because you think they're a good actor, you know? Yes, you love their character, but you that is not who they are. That is the character that they acted as. And number two, 99 times out of 100, they did not create that show. They do not own that character. Like them saying the catchphrase of that character for a commercial. It's one thing if they're playing, you know, doing a voice on The Simpsons or something. But if they are playing that character from a show on your commercial, there might that's that they might not be allowed to do that. Honestly, even if they're the creator of the show, because right. like a network is involved, it gets hairy, it gets messy, and even if it's technically legal, it's not a good look. Right. You know, it's it's complicated stuff for sure. So that's kind of one one thought I've had because I've worked on a lot of jobs where people are like, oh, let, let's get Cliff from Cheers and let's have him do say all these be very Cheersy and play a mailman. And the other thing is trying to come up with perks for the actor that are not money, right? You have a certain amount of money you can give someone for a day of work, $100,000, let's say, for a day of work to come be in your commercial and whatever. And generally speaking, that's kind of the ballpark for someone that you would be like, oh, wow, that person's in the commercial. Cool. You know, that's it. That's it's like one, one fifty. you know, so sometimes athletes, when their paydays are even bigger, you can get up into like quarter million, half a million range. Yeah. Kind of depend, it depends on the campaign too. You know, what's the media buy, all that stuff. But but also, and I think this is different than, you know, the reason that SAG protects actors in this way is because your image, it does have a finite amount of appeal, right? So if you're doing every single commercial and you're selling out for every single thing, you know, at a certain point, you know, you get sick of a person or you think their credibility gets weakened, you know, it gets tainted, right? Like if you're at AT&T and Pepsi and Nike and all these things, it's like, well, what does this person even like? You know? Right. Yeah. So I think as a brand, you have to be aware that you are, each person only has so many brands in them. And so when they say yes to your commercial, they have to say no to all these other commercials. And oftentimes there's a non-compete clause, right? Yeah. Like you can't do AT&T and Sprint in the same year or whatever. Right. So you're cutting into their value actually. So I'm curious because I have some ideas on like what other things you might offer an actor beyond money. I'll give a couple obvious ones to begin with. So one is a, is to shoot somewhere very close to their house. Mm-hmm. Convenience and accommodation. Yeah. yeah. That's why you shot right uh, in San Diego. Cause you were, that's true. Yeah. you were filming. The only reason to film in San Diego is cause it was close to someone's house. Another thing you can offer them is a short day on set, right? Uh, hey, yeah, we keeping can things get you easy. shot out in four hours. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes again, especially if a person is, especially in the case of an athlete, you know, that's all pre-negotiated. They're like, okay, we get, you get four hours with this person. Like if they're in demand, if they're, if they're in season or if they've got a TV show or whatever, oftentimes that stuff is restricted. And also this is not what you're talking about, but if they show up late, it's not like they're like, ah, well, okay, I know I showed up an hour late, so we'll put an hour in the back half. That oftentimes is not the case. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You just have an hour less, less to shoot. Right. Um, and also, sometimes the production company is like, yeah, we worked with this person 10 times before. They're going to be an hour late. And it's like, okay, well, we think it's impossible to do this in four hours already. And now you're asking me to do it in three. I literally don't know what to do. And they're like, cut the cool shots. 
Yeah. Athletes <laughs> and certain like genres of music are <laughs> infamous for having their people like show up. And late. any genre where it's like cool to be bad. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like if your if your image is like I'm proper and punctual, you're probably not a musician or a stand up, you know? <laughs> right. But so, yeah, so what else can you offer them? You can offer them usage, low usage. So let's say you're doing an ad for something that um, is Super Bowl related. You can say, you know, this is only going to air two weeks up to the Super Bowl and we're not going to air it at all after that. Or it's or only going to air in a certain region. Yeah. Yep. Um, or you had mentioned before, like a non-compete clause, you can offer to not have a non-compete clause. Hey, we're going to do a commercial for laundry detergent, but... If you want to do other laundry detergents, we're not going to block you from doing any other soap commercial, you know? It's also worth mentioning that, like, some of these things you have in, in your control as a director, most of them you do not. Right. And, and again, I, as a director, I I probably have, all, yeah, no control. But the only control I have is when I hear, oh, we're going to do this project and we're going to make an offer to this actor, I can try to be a part of offering some of Sweetening these solutions the yeah mm-hmm. so like hey you know I've, i have a couple great ideas for locations that are convenient to this person exactly so for this actor for instance today i happen to know that she has two kids and that the locations we were looking at could be fun for kids so hey why don't we say you know at the location this is a really awesome locations your kids will love it like they should come you know we'll like give them a tour or whatever you know I've worked, I've done spots where we've literally cast the kids or the husband of the actor in the spot to play these small roles, just so it's more of a family affair. And people have liked that, you know, because a lot of that, you know, especially like athletes and stuff that get so little time with their family, weighing whether to say yes or no to an offer like this is related to them leaving their family or not. So if you can find a way to involve their family and i mean obviously it's a very specific thing you know like i don't know if jay-z if it's a favor to have him bring beyonce or not but uh yeah so that that's another thing you can offer and then probably the biggest thing in my opinion that you can offer when when you know you don't have a ton of money when you know you can't be super flexible on some of these other elements is you can try to offer really good creative and you can try to ask the actor you know and it's it's hard because usually you're going through an agency that has a business affairs department that is talking to the agent of the commercial agent of this actor and there's so many layers between you and the actor and that's why it's i think it's important to have a really strong overall pitch beyond just the money and the usage that's like hey here's here's the creative this is why we think you're perfect for it here's kind of what we wrote we'd love to get your feedback on it we want you to love this too and we want it to be in your voice So let's work on this together. You know, if you love this, let's just shoot it the way it is. If you have other thoughts, we are like more than happy to hear them. And again, and I'm I'm not talking about like a Coca-Cola Super Bowl spot. I'm talking about when you are trying to make literally like a $100,000 spot for, you know, your startup or something or like a new app or a drink or or something. Or even even like a a half million or something like that. There's there's stuff kind of in between half million, including media buy probably. But like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, yeah, there's the Super Bowl spots, but then there's a lot of celebrity-driven stuff where you do have more more input and control. And I, to your point about the the cr- strong creative, I think thinking through what you understand about the persona of the person that you're working with, I think helps inform what "quote unquote" good creative is. Right? Like, oftentimes athletes just don't want to seem corny; they they just want to be cool. 
right? They don't want to, they don't want their friends or their entourage members to be like snickering behind the, the camera, at like right. how they have to say this dumb thing. Right. Like, and, and they care about what the product, like, like they would do something corny and silly for sports center on ESPN, but they're not going to do something corny and silly for like dominoes. I mean, I mean, sometimes, sometimes, right. Sometimes not, you know, like it, if a person is professionally good humored, right? If they're a stand-up or something like that, or if they're on a sitcom, that's one thing. But if you're like, if you're an athlete, a also you don't really need the money, right? You're never gonna die. You're gonna live forever. The money's never gonna stop. You're making millions of dollars. Yeah, right? but I mean, Magic Johnson does commercials, right? Like, sure, people still need. People will still take the money. I I know a few people that work with very wealthy people and I know some wealthy people as well. And they, they're always down to, if it's like a really big payday and like kind of a cool job, they are interested, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, but I guess what I'm saying back to the creative point is like just taking the temperature of what the person's public persona is and how they may want to be perceived is a big part of it. And it goes back to your point of like, Hey, you don't want, you know, you're casting someone because they're a good actor and yes, they are famous, but like, you're not just asking them to say their catchphrase, you know? Whereas like, you know, if you're, you know, Michael Jordan and you're famous for slam dunks and you're selling shoes that make you good at slam dunking, you're probably going to slam dunk at the end of this commercial. Yeah. And that's also fine too. They're Air Jordans and you make a percentage of every sale, sure. you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. um, that's the thing. I mean, sure, if you want to give them it, some equity in the company, that might be interesting an interesting offer as well. But Sure, that's a way to sweeten the pot. Um, Certainly, I, I've had a handful of celebrity pieces where it was like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. It's like a solid payday and then also a slice of the pie for one day of talking about this startup or whatever. Yeah, I pitched on this job for Buy Water, B-A-I, and Justin Timberlake was going to be in it. I was like, "Oh wow, that's pretty pretty good score for like this buy water spot." And they're like, "Yeah, he uh, he's one of the owners of the company." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. Um, it's like remember when Fifty Cent had vitamin water, right? And by the way, a lot of times they own the company literally by being in the commercial without right, putting right. any money in. Yeah, yeah. It, well, look, if you're like say a beverage company and you're like, "Okay, well, we don't have uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars liquid just to spend on somebody." But we, but we do have lots of stock. Thousand dollars liquid, yeah, yeah. In vodka and tequila. Yeah, yeah. Mr. There Clooney. you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. So anyway, I just I think that a lot of times, especially if you're like on the business side or producing side of commercials, you're just like, yeah, there's a number. Everyone's got a number, and we just got to say the number. But I guess from my experience, and from just knowing actors, you know, we're both married to actors, and obviously they're not exactly that like spokes famous spokesperson type of person, but we know that people people that become actors want to be excited about the work they do. And so, you know, come to them. If you want to do this, if you're trying to get an actor for like not as much money as they're usually used to getting and they're kind of famous in a certain way, I'd say approach them with a real appreciation for who they are, what is important to them in their personal life, what characters they want to portray and not what characters they've already portrayed you know, a million times. Let me ask you something. So I can think of a lot of circumstances, especially with stuff where it's like more in the branded content zone and you're like, you're kind of partially writing the spot, you know, it's like, okay, you're 
you're pitching ideas, you're ripping on things, and a producer will be like, oh, so-and-so is really into stranger things, skydiving, golf, whatever. That's part of their brand, right? They're they're famous for something else, but they really love this thing. And and sometimes it's like, where where is this coming from? Is this true? Am I going to be you know, meet this person on the day and be like, hey, we got all the, the cool skydiving stuff. Are you ready? And they're like, what are you talking about? And sometimes it's like, oh, they only want to skydive. And you can't tell if it's a mandate from their people or just like a, a harebrained, you know, pitch from someone skimming a Wikipedia page. I feel like that happens all the time. And it's yeah. a 50-50 shot. It's, it's a weird thing. But I guess overall, I just want to say that when you are making an offer like this, just remember to really think about what's in it for them from a creative standpoint, not just what you want, but what you imagine they would want as well and and also the more experienced these people are the more with it they are the more they get it like the most famous people are the ones who are like oh cool awesome pitch an idea like get into it they 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 know how it works you know when i worked with kellen lutz of twilight (laughs) on this tiny campaign for mr clean he was like so into it he like did like three drafts of the script himself so, oh really yeah that's pretty good that's um pretty good so yeah so just remember treat them as an artist and not as a celebrity and i think that you'll do well um okay uh i know we are talking forever so this last topic i want to talk about i'm just going to talk about really quick and it's, it's called just shooting it patent pending trademark pending and you know we've said this before but i just wanted to point out three examples of people just shooting it and making a giant splash. Have we talked about the Bo Burnham special? I don't think we have, no. Uh, Yeah, I don't think we have on the podcast either, but have you seen it? I have, yeah. So Bo Burnham made this comedy special that was a huge splash on Netflix. I mean, on social media, everyone was talking about it. I had like multiple people text me and say, oh, this guy's a genius. And he literally shot the entire thing by himself did you, you're making a face. Is that true? Did you? Yeah, no, no. I, well, what's funny. Did you have is a whole that, crew there that we don't know about? No, no, no. I think that's all true. But also like he started as like a 16 year old kid on YouTube shooting things by himself. And those videos, you know, launched a huge career. Yeah. So it, I think it's it, certainly it's an order of magnitude different in terms of artistry. Like one's like a clever kid singing funny songs in front of a webcam. And his new special is like cinema you know it's truly special but it is kind of it just struck me as it's sort of ironic to be like can you believe he did everything himself and it's like well yeah that's that's the whole story yeah but he was making youtube videos this is a like two hour i don't know how long a feature length comedy special where by the way he could have just made a comedy special where it's him telling jokes or singing funny songs he could have done like a dimitri martin thing where he sits and plays a piano and says some funny things and then draws some funny diagrams and filmed that all himself but he instead decided to kind of reinvent the format you know yeah i mean i think i've loved bo burnham for a long time and i think um i think that's always been his situation though do you know what i mean like i think he like his last special really like pushes stage format and you know he's got a theatricality to him like to call him a stand-up i think is maybe a, a tiny bit limiting and certainly like obviously he made a movie in between specials yeah, that's an incredible you know? like hollywood grade oscar yeah. like we don't need to get into the weeds on bo burnham though your point yeah. is it's awesome and he made it himself yes 
I'm saying that when you are saying I need all these people to make these things, just look at Bo Burnham. And I think like, I guess if I was playing devil's advocate to myself, I would say, well, if someone that wasn't Bo Burnham, someone that wasn't famous and that wasn't good at playing music made that it would, no one would watch it. Uh, an hour if i told you well, oh this I, I random person made an hour and a half video please watch it if someone as good but less famous sent you like if it was incredible but also like you're like who is this person i haven't heard of them and it's not an, if someone just sent you a vimeo link would it be the talk of the town maybe maybe not but but it doesn't matter is actually more important because i think that what you're really trying to get at is making something cool and defying the limitations of what we maybe think filmmakers have we all have good enough cameras to make something special and even if that special thing you show it to your peers and friends and family and they're the only ones that ones that recognize it you know that's how everyone starts out and slowly things grow and build and become incrementally more shared right like you, he, Bo Burnham was a, the right age and time to like go viral, and that was a thing that could make a career. And I, I heard him recently on um, the podcast I think I've talked about called Good One, where a comedian just talks about one of their jokes, basically. And he kind of posited that, like, you know, his is the story of the internet, right? He started as a viral star and kind of has grown and evolved and constantly been evaluating and figuring out what it means to be famous in the era of coming of being a digital native basically of being growing up online he's kind of like the foremost artist in that way on that topic um and so that's why of course eighth eighth grade makes complete sense right like how do you think through what it means to be a, a person who is evaluating themselves by that criteria when their parents can't relate at all of course thematically but he also like directed these actors and these great performances and shot it in this beautiful way like you know and then you know he's even as an actor and promising young woman an oscar nominated film you know he i think what's interesting about him is he obviously is a digital native but he does traditional just as well or better sure, than sure. everyone else but but thematically that's what he's talking about but we, we don't again we're we're off topic um, we're, yes. this isn't this isn't a topic about bo burnham you're talking about just shooting it can be yeah. meaningful. And the last but, thing about Bo Burnham though is that he could have gotten a crew. He could have done like he could have made that a way bigger more expensive thing if he wanted to. It's not that he lacked the resources. Sure there was a quarantine and all that stuff going on. But you can make something really amazing without that stuff is I guess my point. Um, and so to jump to the not famous person that did that. Someone I just discovered today. Her name is Grace Wells. Uh, she's on TikTok. I'm sure other people have discovered her before me because she has millions of followers, but she just signed today. I saw on deadline, I think, or, or maybe on Twitter somewhere with tool of North America, which is one of the best commercial production companies in the world. And she was just making fake commercials for products. She made a series on TikTok called fake commercials for everyday products. Like here's a commercial for a fork. Here's a commercial for a kernel of corn. You know, here's a commercial for a cup of hot cocoa. And it's very much like tabletop type of stuff, you know, but she shoots everything on a small DSLR in her kitchen with the one light, like a, you know, one of those good lights, you know, that brand G O D O X. They're super inexpensive. They're like the less expensive version of aperture lights, which are already less expensive versions of other lights. Um, and 
yeah, I think she's like 25 or something or even younger. And she now is with, you know, one of the best commercial production companies in the world because of literally just things she did by herself. And when she's not by herself, it's like her sister's hand or her dad, like shucking, you know, some corn. And she even she's now been hired to do real commercials. And I think she did this L'Oreal one where there's it's like a shampoo and she has her behind the scenes and she's literally just taking a sponge and putting soap on her arm in a close up just in the kitchen. You know, she's even like the arm <laughs> putting the soap on it uh, for the shot. So, yeah, she also does really cool things for the uh, shower product one. She plumbed like a shower head and stuff in her little studio so that she could film it with water coming out. And she built she her dad helped her tile a piece of wood. You know, so I mean, incredible. But so I think what's the takeaway there is that like, and this is not new information, but technology used to be the limiting factor. Now it's taste. Now it's creativity. Yes. Right. But it's easy to think that it's not the technology. It's the casting or it's the locations or it's the script or it's the other thing. But like watch her stuff. There's like no script, you know, she just comes up with like cool shots and she talks about her process, too. So. There's anything that comes naturally to you. If you just do that by yourself I, and put it out there, I believe there's a good chance that it will take you to the next level. Maybe you're not having a feature length special on Netflix or signing with the biggest production company in the world, but maybe something is happening. That's yeah, great. this it's kind of the thesis of the show because it's easy to look at and the show just shoot it. I mean, this podcast it's easy to look at those people and go, wow, that's that's the path for me. And then you, you know, you're upset or disappointed when you don't have the incredible good luck of being exceptionally talented with the right resources at the right time and place to get discovered, right? Like all of those things had to happen for the people that you're talking about. But, and here's, this is the most important part, just because you don't have that sort of luck doesn't mean that you can't have a happy, successful, creative life and career by following the same exact path, right? That's what I was trying to get at with those the incremental growth that I'm talking about. Just because you don't have something that goes viral doesn't mean that the one person that sees it might, you know, be able to offer you a small job that then leads to a slightly bigger job, et cetera, et cetera. And that it's, it's not all moonshots, even though those are the people that are so fun to talk about. Right. Well, they're the ones that make the news because they make these giant, unimaginable leaps. But most of us are making small, incremental steps. Baby steps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I guess the last example I was going to talk about was myself. Because um, as you know this, I've talked about this with you nonstop for the last couple of months. But I shot this little pr- promo for Just Shoot It. Obviously, you you know, were involved and gave notes and everything. But... I shot it with this black magic camera that black magic sent us and just my wife in our living room and my one light, my one aperture light and my one eight by eight glide gear diffusion that I've been recommending. And I color graded it, you know, in DaVinci watching these tutorials from this other DaVinci guy I love on YouTube. And basically it was just super DIY. And it, we just literally, I wrote the script in like an hour. I think you gave me some notes. Allie gave me some notes and, then we recorded it the next day and it was just something really small where I really didn't invest a lot of time or effort into anything, any of it. But when we posted it, I just got like a ton of feedback. And again, it's a lot from friends and families or like 
fans of the podcast today carlin hudson said it's the best commercial she's ever seen but uh i showed it to that this guy that asked me for new material and he's like oh maybe i'll put this on your reel to submit you know you know and it's literally we spent zero dollars on it to uh, to make it and not that it's you know i think it it's a cute piece on my reel in addition to some other bigger things where yeah here a helicopter is landing in a front yard or whatever and here's pete davidson talking about converse but I feel like from an is it fun to watch point of view and is it catchy and does it have like someone mentioned that it had like that Harmon Brothers quality and they're famous, you know, for the squatty potty shot or commercials and the purple mattress commercials. And I'm like, yeah, you know, it's sometimes I remember like all these things I'm super stressed about that I finish and I don't even put on my website because I don't like that much. But then I just like shoot this thing with my wife in an hour and I'm like, oh, this is like more fun to watch than some of these huge things I do. And so. Yeah, you know, I, I I love that so much. I think it's interesting to point out though that there's something that comes full circle, and I, I I relate because like a lot of the movie that we made is, you know, in a similar sort of feeling. It gave me the same feeling of like, oh, like I just called a lot of friends, and then we all made this thing together. You know, some of we shot in our apartment, the same sort of thing, and yeah, like it, you literally scale is different. Took that but, black magic camera to shoot some inserts yeah yeah exactly exactly but so uh but there's something really satisfying about skilling up learning all the things that you did right to then come back to shooting into your own apartment it's not just the technology and the gear that's better your skills are much sharper and so that commercial is better for all of the time that you put in and all the other things and obvious it's an obvious thing to say that experience makes you a better filmmaker but i think that it's easy to feel like oh well i've graduated i don't shoot my own stuff anymore i don't you know i i have to have x y and z even if you're used to all of those big toys and that big crew and, the, and all the money in the world the small stuff gets a heck of a lot better yeah. because of all the time that you've logged using those other tools and collaborating with all those people. Yeah. But but we've all seen kind of spots that like directors or DPs have shot by themselves or like a couple has made. And, you know, there's some really good things. And to me, it's always been like, oh, well, they were just like they something incredible was happening in their life and they happened to capture it, you know, and nothing is happening in my life. We're like watching Netflix and going to sleep, you know. And so I think if that has been your attitude, sometimes you see these great pieces that are done for no money but it's like oh this person traveled to thailand and did this thing for no money um just know that you can literally just write something funny and just record yourself (laughs) saying it um and it can have as much impact as being in the right place at the right time or having a big crew or having some such deep original interesting experience that the world must know about it, you know. It can be as dumb as, like, you writing something funny with your friends or family and recording and editing it and putting it out there, and the more you do it, the better they'll get, and eventually you'll get a Netflix special. Yep. (laughs) So that's that's the end of my rant. Those are my three topics. Love it. Do you want to join me for an unpaid endorsement? Let's do it. Unpaid endorsements. So something that I did again today, it's, I think it's my second, uh, the endorsement that is your, the second most hated by you. Hmm. Um, the first Ooh. most hated one, I don't think you'll even guess what it is. What's the it, first one? I'm it curious. was when I endorsed a sun visor for my windshield 
believe Tony Ascendo was on the episode, and I said that if you put a sun visor on your windshield, it really helps keep your car cooler. And you guys both thought that I was a grandpa. Uh, yeah, that's pretty dumb. That's pretty. My, dumb. I don't know if it's my number one, but, uh, well, but maybe it's maybe my number. Maybe it hurts two your feelings the most. Maybe that's it. Number one, but. Uh, I did this again today and I just like want to remind new list. Well, I want to tell new listeners of the podcast about this because I haven't talked about it in a year or two, but it's the bagel. thing. <laughs> I just did it today and it just reminded me how happy it makes me. Bro, uh, this is pretty bad. Actually, this might be my number one. Okay. So it's your number one, dude. We got these H and H bagels from New York. They're so gigantic and I cannot rationalize eating hey, hold on. so you, you much have to actually, you have to endorse the thing you have to explain what you're endorsing i'm explaining it right now oh, okay so right. i got these giant bagels and i was reminded today about my ingenious endorsement of cutting a bagel instead of in half lengthwise in thirds lengthwise and just throwing away the middle section and you get these two delicious Super slim, a bagel top and a bagel bottom. You toast them. It's a low-fat bagel, so you still get all the deliciousness. You get the top, the bottom, the crispy sesame seeds, whatever type of bagel you get, but with half the calories. And it's so much better than scooping a bagel. Like, I don't know why people do that. I'm not down with scooping a bagel either. Yeah, it ruins the, the bagel. But this, you take a knife, you cut the middle part out, throw that in the trash can. You can feed it to a dog if you hate your dogs. And then you toast the remaining parts put cream cheese on it, put everything but the bagel, of course, on top of that, some sliced cucumbers. Now, now you're just Heaven. describing how, how to eat a bagel. <laughs> I guess this is my feeling on basically all low-fat things. If you, if you don't want the calories of the thing you're eating, just eat less of the thing. Exactly what I'm saying in a much more interesting or, way. Or, or just abstain it. Abstain from it. Do you know what I mean? Just don't eat it. Like I, like I don't like... Like a Diet Coke, it's, it's garbage. Just don't drink Coke. <laughs> well, some people love Diet Coke. Some people swear by it. A lot know, of Israelis, for some reason, it, love it Diet Coke. Plenty of people in my family. Um, all right, so I'm going to endorse. We did talk about Bo, Bur Bo Burnham and good one. I don't think this is the first time to endorse it on the show, but his episode, which is about his... Uh, I actually don't recall ever hearing about this show. Oh, good so one? It's great. Really so, uh, uh, Jesse David Fox, uh, the comedy editor of Vulture, has a show called Good One where they literally have a, a stand-up on to talk about one joke that's probably from their new special that they're touring or something like that. But Jesse David Fox is quite knowledgeable in terms of the world of comedy. I really loved the, the Bo Burnham one. They just re-aired because obviously everyone's talking about a special, but they talk about, I can't handle this right now. The Pringles can song that he used to close his previous special, which is great. And it's like a Kanye parody that I really love. It's really, really dumb and theatrical in a way that is J Bo Burnham's specialty. But I also can recommend actually the um, Garfunkel and Oates episode, which was just on recently. I really loved because Garfunkel and Oates, as they kind of talk about on the show, they became a thing when I was really into comedy, when I was the most excited about comedy. And part of the reason that I was so excited about comedy was because that was what the internet was for at the time. Like YouTube was exploding. It was this opportunity to have your voice be heard and to share things. The democratization of ideas and information and video it felt like independent film. It felt like we were on the, the beginning of a, of a new revolution. And we were. It's just that the corporations were just going to buy all of it up and 
or or we were just going to water it down to just be you know 90 second bites um but at the time in like 2005 oh man just like a stupid funny internet song or a sketch that's all anyone was talking about or, or sharing and ucb was a big thing at the time so it was really fun and um that interview in particular, just reminded Garfunkel me of and Oates. the Garfunkel and Oates which one. is Kate McCucci and Ricky Lindholm. Correct. Yeah, the yeah. Duo. And, it, and they talk about how you know they became known thanks to Garfunkel and Oates. They had their own separate careers, but really kind of like became this partnership. And they talk about the collaboration, but then um, kind of how they have not parted ways, but grown up as people and have different things in their lives. But how this is a anchor to their relationship and to their careers and kind of how things have grown and um, it's kind of an interesting companion piece to the Bo Burnham one in terms of just thinking of artists coming of age in the internet. Yeah, that's cool. Back in the yeah. day, I feel like it always was co- these comedy duos that split up and became famous on their own. Back in like the laugh-in days, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah. Or like there's one, there's the breakout star and then, you know, a lot of people who get left behind or something, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, Cool. This episode was expertly edited by Sarah Weirda. If we're lucky, Shout it's less Sarah. than an hour long. Thank you, <laughs> Which means Sarah. means she cut out a lot of junk. Uh, our social media maestro is Derek Aiello. Still don't know why we call him a maestro. We started it. We're never going to stop. I think it's fun. Um, we have uh, some consulting producing from Allie Kornfeld. Uh, the music you're listening to is from the Free Music Archive. And now Matt is looking at me as if I haven't included our social media handles or emails or anything. Oh, I, we'll just switch it up. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, if you want to hear more about what you heard today, I guess go to justshootapod.com. And you can follow us across all social media at justshootapod. I'm at Smitty Pileg on Twitter. I'm at OKaplan on Instagram. And I'm at Mr. Matt Enlow across all social media. Oren did the whole outro except for that part. So thanks, right. everyone. Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.